0: Good morning. It's uh, always good to come to uh, grandkids. Mostly because I have family here, so I get to see my grandkids. And actually, uh, this morning, I have all of my grandchildren here this morning. My two grandsons are with me as well, John and Wyatt. Um, their parents, one is in Texas, the other one's in Washington, so they're here for a little while. And we're getting ready to move them out there probably later this month, but we're glad to have them. And so uh, for me to sit here with all of my grandchildren, <laughs> singing about Jesus, Amen. that's a good day. Uh let's, uh let's ask the Lord's blessing one more time for our time. Our Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you again in the name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name given among men by which we can be saved. There is no other name by which we might be able to approach a holy God. What a wonderful name that is. And so we are, we are grateful to you, Lord Jesus, for being willing to come and die on Calvary's tree for us. We are thankful to you, Lord Jesus, that you did all things well, that you walked upon this earth as a man without sin, who knew no sin and who could not sin, that you showed us the way to the Father, that you were the truth, you were the life, you are grace, You are all those things, that you stand now as our advocate before the Heavenly Father. We are grateful to you. Lord, now as we get ready to dive into your word, we would pray as we consider you again over the next uh, little bit of time, that you would help us to understand it and to put it into our lives and to allow it to be lived out in us, in our hearts may we be a testimony to those around us because of what we hear from you this morning. So I'm grateful for your spirit, which is among us. I'm grateful that it leads us and guides us into all truth. And Lord, we pray that all things would be done in a way that honors and magnifies you. We ask your blessing upon us in your precious name. Amen. So we are... uh, I was asked to continue in this series of Joseph Makes Me Think of Jesus, which I was happy to do, and so we're in Genesis chapter 39 this morning. And we're just going to read the first first five verses. Uh, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house, and all that he had he put under his authority. So it was, from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3 tells us that we should consider him, him being the Lord Jesus. And that's what we're doing as we go through the life of Joseph. We can see uh, little pictures of the Lord as we go through the story of Joseph and his life. So let us consider him again this morning. Today we have several things to draw out from the life of Joseph in these verses in which we see the Lord Jesus, but there isn't time to spend in all of them. And so there, This that may not be an exhaustive list, and of the five that I have here that I'm going to mention, some will be just that, I'm just going to mention them but there'll be a couple that will go into greater depth and hopefully bring some practical application as well. But I did want to just sort of tell you what those five things were that I see here in the life of Joseph that reminds us of the Lord. First of all, Joseph went down to Egypt. We found refuge there in a way because he found not of his own doing, but he escaped the anger of his brothers. Remember, his brothers originally wanted to kill him. It's only because Reuben convinced them not to, that he gets sold into slavery. But there isn't a doubt in my mind that for most of them, killing Joseph was really what they would rather do. And so just like the Lord had to go to Egypt to find refuge, Joseph finds refuge. Joseph is like the Lord here in that he is a bond servant. He becomes a bond servant, and our Lord Jesus is the same. Just like Joseph, the Lord received from the Gent was received by the Gentiles, and they found a place for him, didn't they? Joseph, a life of Joseph, pictures the Lord Jesus. Joseph again is exalted in his place in Pharaoh's house, and later on as well just as the Lord Jesus is exalted above all things. And finally, just like Joseph, the Lord is a blessing to the Gentiles, is he not? As Pharaoh's house was blessed because of Joseph, we know that we are blessed because of Jesus. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. That's the first verse. Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. The sons of Jacob had sold their brother into slavery. And they sold him to a caravan that was on its way to Egypt. Now, Joseph will prosper in Egypt. He will prosper. Though it's hard to see how, in his present circumstance, we know that Joseph goes from here to become the second most prominent man in all of Egypt. In fact, probably in all the known world. So Joseph starts in slavery but he ends up to be the second most prominent man in all of the kingdom. He ends up saving his nation, his people, from starvation. Though Joseph is sold into slavery, now we know that he is safe from his brothers. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, the earthly Father of the Lord Jesus is warned in a dream that Herod wishes to destroy the child, and so he is instructed to escape to Egypt. And you, know, you know the story. The family stays in Egypt until the death of Herod and it is safe to return to Israel. Hosea chapter 11 and verse one says, "And out of Egypt I called my son." The Lord Jesus found safety from those who wanted to kill him in Egypt until it was time for him to come and bring salvation, not only to the nation of Israel, but to the Jews as well. He is a bond slave, Joseph is. Potiphar is an officer in Pharaoh's court. He's a captain of the guard. And he purchases Joseph from the caravan. So Joseph is now a bond slave. And he serves at the pleasure of his master. His life does not belong to him anymore. You understand that? It's not his. He serves at the pleasure of his master. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. Now just to give you I just want to I don't want to read the whole thing I'm just going to read a few verses. Before I do that I want to give you just a little bit of background. First of all, it is in uh this is just before the Lord Jesus enters into Jerusalem for his final week of ministry. And uh he is actually on his on the road to Jerusalem at this point in time when this happens. And he has for the third time told the disciples that he was going to Jerusalem and that he would be uh, uh portrayed and, and that he would be turned over to the scribes and Pharisees and that he would be crucified. So and this is the third time that he's done so and so I think the disciples are starting to get a little uneasy that there's something there's a big change coming here. And what we see here in in chapter 20, is that the mother of James and John approached the Lord Jesus with a request. Now, before we get too hard on, on on the mother here, we know how mothers are, right? Mothers are people who want the best for their children, right? They're always acting in the best interest of their children. But James and John are not innocent here. In Mark's account, if you were to go into Mark, you'd find out that, Their mother isn't even in the the account. But here, Matthew writes, the mother comes with the request. And the request is this. They want to be able to sit at the left hand and the right hand of the Lord Jesus when he comes into his kingdom. Now, they've already been told in Matthew chapter 19, they've already been told that the 12 of them will sit on thrones and will judge the nation of Israel. But what what these guys are asking for is they want a special place in the kingdom to sit on the left and the right hand of the Lord as he rules. The other ten disciples, we are told, were in the New King James. It says they're greatly displeased. But the King James, I like what it says. It says they were filled with indignation. The Greek word there is a, is, a, is a compound word. It means much and to grieve. It means to feel a violent irritation. <laughs> these guys were mad. They, they couldn't believe that these two brothers would ask such a thing. But in verse 25, and that's where we want to look. Verse 25, it says, But Jesus called them to himself. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. But Jesus called him to himself. You know what he said? He said, guys, come here. Just be quiet for a moment. I want you to listen to what I'm telling you. I want you to hear me. And so he calls them together. And he tells them, he begins to contrast the way of the world with the way of the kingdom. The rulers of the Gentiles lord over their subjects. That's the world. That's the way the world does things. The, th- the thing is that the way of the world is to use power to gain wealth and to gain privileges, to use power to keep power, to use power to feed massive egos, to use power to find a place of prominence and status in society. The way of the world is to use power to achieve greatness by mastering others. That's the way of the world. And Jesus says, this it shall not be so among you yet it shall not be so among you like every other principle in scripture we are not to live we are to live contrary to the world we are not looking at the world and the way the world does things and copying that that's not what we've been called to we're in a different kingdom We are not to be like the world. In the kingdom, in the kingdom of heaven to be great, the Lord Jesus says, you have to be a servant. In the kingdom of heaven to be first, you have to be a slave. Now I want you to notice something there. There are two different uh, There are two words being used here, servant and slave. And there are two different adjectives to go with each word. One is great and one is first. To be a servant is to be great. To be a slave is to be first. In verse 26, the Lord uses the word servant. The Greek word there, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, but it's a word that's used for deacons. It describes someone who offers service to others. The word's emphasis is on the relationship of the person to the type of work they are doing. Often that work is menial and seemingly insignificant, but it's work that this person might get paid for. But it is low-level work. The word used in conjunction with this servant with the word servant, is great. And the Greek word there is megas. It means, it's a word that describes something that has become large, something that is grand, large numbers, large mass. But in this particular verse, it is someone that is esteemed highly for their importance. Did you get that? Somebody who is esteemed highly for their importance. A servant. A servant is to be esteemed highly in the kingdom of heaven. In verse 27, he uses the word slave. The Greek word is doulos, a translated bond servant or slave. It is used in reference to the lowest form of servitude. It describes a person in relation to their position. The slave is owned. He does not belong himself. He serves at the master's pleasure. The corresponding word first that's used in that verse is the Greek word protos, and it describes somebody who was first in rank. In effect, what the Lord is saying is twofold. To achieve greatness in the kingdom, you will be willing to be this, do the smallest of tasks. Nothing will be beneath you. To become first in the kingdom, you will reduce yourself to a slave, to devote yourself to others in total disregard of your own interest. In verse 28, the Lord tells them that he is the ultimate example. And he says, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Like a servant... There is no task too lowly for the Lord Jesus. You know, he turned water into wine because his mother was so insistent that she didn't want the host of the wedding to be embarrassed. And the Lord is like a slave in that he surrenders his life for the lives of even his enemies. That he would die on Calvary's tree in my place, is incredible. He put the needs of others before his own. There's a famous passage in Philippians 2. I'm sure you've heard it before, but we're told to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he fumbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's our Lord Jesus. And we're told in a couple of verses just before this in Philippians, we are instructed that we are to let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. And become, let each of you look not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. That is the mind of Christ. Now, we got to note one thing. And that is that Joseph became a bondservant, not of his own choosing. The father ordained that it should be so. But he didn't choose it. He didn't wake up that morning and said, I'm going to go be a slave in Egypt. He didn't say that. In fact, he woke up with a whole different purpose, didn't he? He found himself. First, he found himself at the bottom of a well. I can't even begin to imagine that. His brothers have thrown him down a well. Talking about killing him. Then they drag him up and sell him to some Ishmaelites and off he goes. He becomes a slave. But he did not do so voluntarily. Folks, the Lord Jesus did so at his own accord. He did so because the father asked him to. and he wanted to please the Father. Joseph is received by the Gentiles. Joseph was rejected by his own family, his brothers to be accurate, and he was delivered into the hands of the uncircumcised, the unclean. And as a member of God's chosen, he being part of the circumcised group, he understood that he held a special place before God that these others do not have. And yet his own kind cast him out and he now finds himself among the unclean, the uncircumcised. The Lord Jesus also encounters Gentiles who are receptive to having him or receiving him. We know in John chapter 4 that the Lord Jesus going through Samaria ends up in a city called Sekhar and has a conversation with a woman there. And that woman at the end of that conversation runs into the city and says, come and see a man who has told me everything there is to know about my life. Could this be the Messiah? And of course, many came. And the scriptures tell us that many believed on the Lord because of that. There's a story of Luke chapter 7, one of my favorite stories of the centurion who has a, a sick servant. What does he do? He hears about the lord Jesus and he he sends some Jewish messengers to Jesus to ask if he would come to his house and heal his servant. His concern is so great for him and so the the, the jews they they go and they find the Lord Jesus and they ask him to come and he and they tell him this this man is a good man, he's good to our people he's he's They convinced the Lord Jesus to come. And as the Lord is on his way, this this Roman soldier, this Gentile, this, this uncircumcised, he thinks to himself, I am not worthy to have this man come in my house. And he gets up, and he heads off, and he catches the Lord on his way, and he says, Lord, I am a man under authority. And I know when I tell a soldier, come, he goes, or come, he comes. I'm not worthy to have you in my house, but I know that if you say the word, it'll be done. Oh, the Lord Jesus says, I see, so looked. the Lord Jesus at that point in time turns and takes a look around to all of the Jews, to the Lord's people. And he says, I say to you, I have not found such great faith not even in Israel. Matthew chapter 15, another one of my favorite stories. There's a Canaanite woman who comes before the Lord. She has a a daughter who's demon-possessed. And she says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, she's a Gentile. She's a Canaanite. But she recognizes who Jesus is. She calls him Lord. She calls him the son of David. It's an interesting exchange because she wants him to heal her daughter of this demon possession. But the Lord rejects her and it says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're a Gentile, you're a Canaanite. I'm not not here for you. But she's very persistent. And so he says, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Oh, ouch. (laughs) But she, she was a woman of great faith. You know what she said? Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Oh, man, that must have warmed the Lord's heart. Because he looked at her and he said, Oh woman, great is your faith. Let it be as you desire. That's faith. Just like Joseph finds a place among the uncircumcised, Gentiles find a place for the Lord Jesus in their lives. Joseph is given a place of prominence. In verse 2, it says that the Lord was with Joseph And he was a successful man. Most of us know the trials and tribulations, that, trials and the triumphs that follow the life of Joseph. You know, sold into slavery, finds himself in the household of one of Pharaoh's officers. He serves well. He's granted charge of the entire household. But then he's falsely accused of a crime, and he ends up in prison. And there in prison the warden sees Joseph has great skills and puts him in charge of all the other prisoners. Now released from prison, he becomes the second highest ranking individual in the kingdom, second only to Pharaoh. And in that role in his service to Pharaoh, the whole world ends up coming to Joseph to bow down to him to request food. that they might not starve to death. (laughs) Clearly, Joseph's life mirrors that of our Lord, doesn't he? Never once do you hear Joseph complain. Not one time. You can't find it in the story of Joseph. Does Joseph sneak into depression as a woe is me? You don't hear recorded, but I got to tell you, Joseph's a human, I'm sure that there's some of those thoughts in his head. I'm sure that there was great despair in his heart. But he didn't complain. You know what it says of the Lord Jesus? In 1 Peter 2, it says, When he was reviled, he did not revile and turn, return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but committed himself to him who judges righteously. Joseph was a successful man, it says. In Mark chapter 7, the people are around Jesus and they see everything that he's doing and what he's teaching. And you know what they say about him? He has done all things well. That is a successful man. Joseph became the most prominent man in all of Egypt. And we know what it says about the Lord Jesus, don't we? In Colossians chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, He is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. finally we come to verse 5 and verse 5 says so it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the lord blessed the egyptian's house for joseph's sake and the blessing of the lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field because of joseph the gentile's house was blessed i want to just read to you, and I'm just going to read some verses from Romans chapter 15. This is what it says of the Lord Jesus. Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcised for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made to the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written, For this reason, I will confess to you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. And again, he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Laud him, all you peoples. And again, Isaiah says, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he who shall rise to reign uh, over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Just like Joseph is a blessing to the house of Potiphar, Jesus becomes a blessing for us. Does he not? Now, I want to take a few minutes to do a deep dive in two topics. The theme of humility the theme of humility keeps coming up in the lord's teaching to the 12 during the last days of his life in fact in uh, Matthew chapter 18 right after the mount of transfiguration and you know there's the in chapter 17 there's the mount of transfiguration and there are only three disciples that are there with the lord jesus to see his glory They come down from the mountain and there's this multitude of people around with the other nine disciples. And there's this discussion because they were unable to cast out a demon from this uh, boy. And so there was this fuss about it. And the Lord Jesus comes and, and says, what's going on here? Well, after this whole event takes place, as they're on their way on the road to Capernaum, there's a discussion amongst the Jews, amongst the disciples, I'm sorry, about who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. When they get to Capernaum, they enter the house, and the Lord Jesus asks them, what was the conversation on the road? Now, they're probably a little bit embarrassed and shuffling their feet, and you know. But they uh, they say, who... We are talking about who's... So they asked him the question, who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And the Lord does an amazing thing. He takes a child, and he puts that child in the midst of these men. And he says to them, listen, if you're even going to enter the kingdom of heaven, you need to become like this little child. And if you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven then the humility of this child is what you need. In Matthew chapter 19, people are bringing their children or lots of children coming to the Lord Jesus, and the disciples are trying to shoo them away. And what does the Lord Jesus tell them? Hey, let them come, for such is the kingdom of heaven. And then we have our scene in Matthew chapter 20. This is just before he enters Jerusalem for that final week. But the final night of the Lord's life here on his earthly ministry, on the night that he is betrayed, what does he do? You know what he does. He takes him into an upper room. He takes off his outer garments, and he begins to go about washing the feet of every single one of those disciples including Judas. And then he says to them you call me teacher and lord and you say well for so I am. If I then your lord and teacher have washed your feet you also ought to wash one another's feet for I have given for I have for for I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you most assuredly I say to you a servant is not greater than his master nor is he nor is he who is great nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him folks this is what I want to get to Been laying on my heart for many months now. We it's true, we live in a society that is in chaos. Our society is so divided, and the atmosphere is so toxic that basic conversations don't take place unless they have an in your face type mentality. We're divided along race. We're divided along sexual orientation. We're divided along all kinds of political theories, whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you're alt-right or alt-left, whether you voted for Trump or didn't vote for Trump. And some of this stuff is starting to get into the church. Now, when I say the church, I'm talking about evangelical Christianity in America today. We even have discussions over vaccines, pro or not pro, mandate or not mandate, mask or no mask. And that's amazing to me that these conversations can melt down very, very quickly. It's sad. But even in the church, the church has not even been immune from this. 30, 40 years ago, you know, you could could look at the denominations and you could see some of them going away from the word of God and and it's a slippery slope. and And you could see everything, denomination after denomination. Click this one off, click this one off, click this one off. But there was one denomination that I was always sure would never falter. And that was the Southern Baptist Convention. I was pretty convinced that those guys were going to stay true to the gospel. Not true anymore. Not true. You know what's driving them crazy? Critical race theory. Folks, there is a conspiracy. It's not a left wing conspiracy. It's not a right wing conspiracy. It's a satanic conspiracy. Folks, humility is the way of our King. We are not to be like the world. Let us esteem others, let us esteem others before ourselves. Let us consider our words before we use them. Let us do so with love and a desire to be able to share the gospel or to encourage a brother and sister in the things of the Lord. Let us not try to win arguments. Let us try to win souls. Amen? Amen? Secondly, I want to talk about the fact that let's talk about the fact that Joseph was a successful man and that he did things well. Joseph dedicated his life to pleasing God in all that he did. And whatever circumstance he found himself in, no matter how he got there, no matter how unfair it was, no matter how unjust it was, there's one thing that Joseph did he served God. He didn't serve Potiphar, he served God. He didn't serve the warden, he served God. He didn't serve Pharaoh, he served God. Do you understand the point? There is not a situation or a circumstance that you will find yourself in that God doesn't know about and knew you would be there. And if that's true, then all you got to do is trust him. Stay the course, and you'll be all right. You know, I always <laughs> just just quickly this reminds me of, uh, Meshach. What's that? There, you got him. See need help in my own servant. These three guys, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's a great story, but here they are. They have an opportunity to save themselves. All they have to do is bow down to that idol. Bow down to that idol, and you'll be fine. You don't bow down to that idol. I'm going to put you in a fiery furnace. I love their answer. I love their answer. I don't know if God wants to save us or not. But he can, but if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down to your idol. That's the same attitude that you and I have to have every day. What we do, we do for the Lord. Now, it doesn't matter what your employment is. It doesn't mean It doesn't matter what kind of work you do. If you do it as unto the Lord, you're going to be fine. You'll be fine. In Colossians chapter three it says this Therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love which is the bond of perfection. Amen. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called, in one body, and be thankful, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell on you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. It just means, folks, that when you go to work, you're working for Jesus. That's what it means. You're working for Jesus. If you keep that big picture, regardless of what happens to you, be it fair or unfair, you will be successful because God will see to it. And if nothing else, you're bound for glory. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, 33 says, Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews, to the Greeks, or to the church of God. So that's how God sees the world, you know. God does not see the world in black and white, yellow or red. There are Jews, there are Greeks, and there are the church of God. That's it. And just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Joseph makes me think of Jesus. It's true, isn't it? It's a great study. Lord bless you as you continue in it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, my prayer this morning for all of us is that as we have considered your Son once again this morning, that we would take on the character of your Son. He was willing to come and humble himself to the point of death, even the shameful death of the cross. He did that. Right? when he's on the cross, he prayed for those who crucified. him, Father, may we be such an example to the world around us. Help us to do so. Father, help us to keep a mindset that all that we do in this world, from the moment we wake up until the moment we lay ourselves down, that all that we do ought to be done for you, ought to be done in such a way that honors and glorifies you that we should never find ourselves in evil, but that we should always seek to do what is good. Lord, I pray for us as a nation and as a people of God, as the church of God. I pray, Lord, for a revival, a spiritual revival amongst our people today. This land is in such great need of the gospel of Jesus Christ. May we be the ones who are willing to take it to them. Father, I pray for the ministry that's here at Brantford of the summer movie nights. We're families. And I pray for the gospel message that went out at each and every single one of those nights. Lord, I know that they may have not seen fruit on that night, but a seed was planted. A seed was planted that you could work with. I pray, Lord, that you would Bring those seeds to bear fruit. Lord, I pray for each and every one of my brothers and sisters here. May we be wise to the things that are good and innocent to the things that are evil. Help us to be good stewards of the lives that you have given to us. We ask to the glory of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, In his name, amen.